0: Everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. Thank you, thank you very much. I am your host, Therese Cerise, and I am going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong Willed Mind: Healing Scars Over Time through my poetry. And today, today's poem is entitled Healing While Hurting. Here we go. Just the other day, I was hurting, hurting from my past, because there were things that I lacked and it left me feeling deserted. No one bothered to console me as the burdens overloaded within me and my heart broke into pieces but I had no clues on how to mend it. Those who I called family, I couldn't even depend on. So the pain began to grow slowly. So the pain began to slowly grow. This reflection, I didn't know. When I looked into the mirror, all I saw was fear. I became a stranger to myself and tried many times to ask for help. But my cries for help went ignored. No understanding of what I was crying for. Too many. I always appeared to be strong. But the pain still lingered on. They thought that I was hiding the truth when I confessed that I was hurting because of you. You wouldn't listen when I spoke. My hopes and dreams you often choked. The voice I found, you silenced it, causing me to doubt myself often. I began to lack self-confidence and insecurity slowly crept in, getting negative attention from men when what I needed was reassurance from you. I had no way of knowing at the time, maybe this is how I got blindsided, but you were also hurting, if you would just confess. You saw my joy and you envied my happiness. This is what I saw over time, but your abuse almost cost me my life. Now I understand that you couldn't give me what you refused to possess, which was the ultimate forgiveness. It's hard to believe that you almost robbed me of my true happiness. Yes, the memories are still very painful, but you didn't get the last word And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Those thoughts at times bring back a bitter sting, but I'm so glad that I'm finally healing. So I hope that you all have had the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. So if you were listening to my previous episode before we were so rudely interrupted, the previous episode was entitled, What? does your debt look like that was part one i was saying or attempting to say the following i want to be a lender and not a borrower however may i just say if you have ever been a borrower you understand the value of becoming a lender it's kind of like graduating from elementary school high school or even college You've learned a lot about yourself, what subjects are your favorite and what subjects aren't quite that. Nevertheless, it feels good to accomplish graduating from that school, does it not? This is how I view elevating from a borrower to a lender. Hopefully when that time comes I will understand how important it is for me to be a good steward over my finances in such a way that eventually I too will become debt free. And not through physical death either. In 2 Kings chapter 4, 1 through 7, it talked about the prophet widows, the Prophet Widow and her sons, her two sons, how her deceased husband took out a loan, but he passed away before he could pay it off. As a result, the prophet's widow was waiting for her children, her two sons, to be picked up by the debt collector because her deceased spouse had used their two sons as collateral. If you haven't heard part one, I encourage you to check it out prior to hearing part two or not, whatever works for you because that's your business in my Tabitha Brown voice. However, on this episode, I would like to pose a different question. Although this is part two, and that is how do you handle your debt? Do you just wait for the debt collector to garnish your debt Do you just wait for the debt to get so high that they have no choice but to use your collateral? Or are you being proactive when it comes to your debt? Speaking of garnishments, let me just tell you, I have been on that side too. In fact, I paid child support for two of my oldest children for years true story. Let me tell you how traumatizing it is when you literally have your wages garnished. At least it was for me. And it happened unexpectedly. Imagine with me, if you will, spending your paycheck in your mind before it ever hits your bank account. Then Being handed your paycheck at work and looking at it, thinking that you're going to see one or two with a few zeros behind it, only to discover that there's only one single zero. Absolutely nothing was left for me. Could you imagine having a paycheck with nothing on it? Nothing left for you to pay your bills. Let me just say this, by the time I processed what had occurred, my colleagues were collaborating on how to come together and help me survive until the next pay period. That moment crushed my very soul. However, I am eternally grateful for those colleagues. Remembering that day reminds me of why being a borrower a borrower. Especially when done the wrong way Can be taxing on a person However Don't forget There is a decent and in order way to borrow From our neighbors Versus an out of order way A few days ago I spoke to y'all About How my son Literally was almost set up To have to owe a debt collector But by the grace of God he was able to get out of that situation with the help of our loved ones. But what I do know is that anytime that you're creating debt out of order, that it builds up and leads to a lot of anxiety. Because every time you see the phone number of that debt collector pop up on your phone, it does not feel good. Not at all. So I wanted to take a moment to see things from the prophet Elisha's point of view. Just a friendly reminder, I am not a theologian and I am not a Bible scholar. I am simply a girl who enjoys reading the Bible and finding practical ways to apply it to my own life. If that helps you, great. If it doesn't, that's okay too. That's it. That's all. So hopefully, I have enough time to talk about a video I saw the other day, which reemphasized my desire to become a lender one day. I want to be the person that people are coming to to borrow from. The prophet widow, the prophet's widow, borrowed from Prophet Elisha's wisdom, his godly wisdom, to be exact. How does she repay him, though? Glad you asked. By operating in obedience. According to 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23, in the King James Bible, it says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. It reads this way. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of the rams for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the lord he has also rejected you from being king see i don't want to be rejected by god that's just a side note however Let me go ahead and share this story about the video before I get caught off again like I did in part one. So, again, I want to be a lender and not a borrower. I want to be the person that people are going to borrow from. For example, the other day, I was scrolling through social media and there was a man who ordered a Starbucks drink. He was a wealthy man but he pretended to be in lack. The barista came outside to give him his order and he pretended not to have enough money to pay for the drink. He asked her for $5. Initially, she told him that she did not have it. He asked her one or two more times. Then she asked him if he had another way to send the money to him, such as Zelle or Venmo. Next thing she knew, He was handing her $500 cash for her willingness to help him in his time of need. That's who I want to be someday. Not the person borrowing the $5, which I have been more times than I can count, but the person gifting the $500 to a stranger just because of their willingness to help. That is what I believe that Prophet Elisha did for the prophetess widow he offered her the gift of becoming debt-free. He gave her the instructions. She followed the instructions. And then she was not only able to pay off the debt that her deceased husband owed, which freed her sons from being collateral and being bondsmen for most likely the rest of their lives, had it went that way. And she was able to pay her neighbors back. Although it didn't say that, I believe that's the order of how it happened because the only way that she would be able to live off the rest of it is to owe no man and so i believe what happened is when she sold those bowls and when she sold those vessels with the oil in them she had enough and made enough to where she was able to make peace with her neighbors so it got me to thinking i tried to look at it from all different perspectives When I look at it from Prophet Elisha's perspective, he wanted to help. And when she presented her issue, he had a resolution. The one thing he said was, what do you have in your house? So immediately he knew that there has to be something in your home of value. Now, for the prophetess widow, her response was nothing. But how many times do we do that ourselves? I think about what my son went through, and if my first response would have been, I have nothing, he literally would have lost his vehicle. But because I took a moment and said, give me time to process what it is that you're telling me and try to figure out a resolution for you, we were able to come up with collaboratively by me seeking the help of my neighbors and borrowing from them. We were able to deliver him from that situation. And then I think about the sons, how they were used as collateral. I feel like they didn't know it. I feel like they found out after their dad passed away. Now, I could be completely wrong because, like I said, I'm not a Bible scholar. But I feel like by the time they realized that they were collateral, the bill collector was on his way to collect the debt. And I can only imagine what the prophet's widow was going through. I myself am a mother. So... I don't know what I would have done had I not had an answer to my son's problem. And I'm sure that's probably what the prophet is what it was going through as well. How is this problem going to be solved? But the part that really caught me off guard is the fact that she had probably been living in that house for quite some time. She was able to tell the prophet Elisha about the character of her husband He knew that he was a good man and he knew that he was a devoted man of God. But in the same token, she felt like she had nothing in her house of value. Interesting. Because a lot of times we're so quick to write off the things that really mean something as if they mean nothing. And that's exactly what she did. And then she took a moment. I believe she took that moment because she was in the presence of the man of God. And she knew that if anybody had an answer, it was him. So I believe she took a moment to really think about what do I have in my house? And what came to her mind was the oil. She had oil in her house. So I've heard it preached that it was anointed oil. And if you think about it, it I could go with that because an anointed man of God is who gave her the resolution to her problem. And she was able to pour the oil into the vessels until they ran out of vessels. I'd already said in part one, how maybe if she would have posed the question to her sons, are you sure you knocked on every neighbor's door? Is it someone that didn't answer the door when we knocked? How that would have turned out. But then i recognized something as I was going over the passage again. And I noticed how the prophet Elisha told her to lock the door behind them. So I sat there for a moment and I thought about it and I was like, okay, why would he say lock the door behind them? And what came to my mind is that the bill collector was on his way. So locking the door represented protecting them from danger, protecting them from harm. And she obeyed. Sometimes it's the simple instructions that we miss. Real simple. You have a bill that's due on the 15th. We ignore it. Next thing you know, late fees are being tacked on. But it was a simple instruction Pay your bill by the due date. It sounds easy, right? Well, she listened to the prophet. She applied what he said. And then she was able to live the rest of her life along with her sons debt free. That is something that I aspire to be able to say. I hear often the scripture, your latter years will be greater than your former years. That's a testimony I literally want to experience where I'm not robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak, where I literally am able to have my debts paid off in full and see what it's like not to know when the next payday is. That would be so beautiful to me. Anywho, (laughs) I digress, but not owing anyone, but to love them. It's easy for me to love people anyway. So that's an easy command for me. But if that's the only thing that I was in debt of doing, oh my goodness, I know my life would be so much easier. Because being on that end of borrowing, especially when you do it out of order, that's what creates the anxiety. When you do it decent and in order, like the way I asked my neighbors, quote unquote, um, for assistance so that I could help my son, when you do it decent and in order and you keep your word and you operate in integrity, it's not a problem to pay back that debt not only that it helps to establish right relationships when a person knows that they can trust you that changes the trajectory of the relationship so I hope it never happens again but by building that trust in that area if I were in need in the future because they see the track record of me borrowing and paying back, then it's like, oh, I can trust her in this area. Okay, what do you need? By the prophet's widow borrowing from her neighbors and paying them back, that also established a healthy relationship. But let me take it one step further. The fact that she was able to go to the neighbors and ask them for the vessels to borrow to begin with, lets me know that the way that her husband operated while he was yet alive and how they operated as a family, those neighbors trusted them enough to give them those vessels to begin with. How do you handle your debt? How do you handle your debt? It says a lot about you. We may not want to acknowledge that, but it does. If we're someone that is constantly running from our debtors, hiding from our debtors, it says a lot. I remember, I'll never forget, I remember when I, (laughs) thinking I was grown, I was grown number wise, but I wasn't grown mentally. um, Got me a brand new car. And I remember, like it was yesterday, even though it was like 20 some years ago, what it was like when my budget, my income and everything about what I was familiar with changed literally overnight. And I no longer had the job that I had when I initially got that car. I remember what it felt like hiding my car in the garage because I did not want it to be repossessed. But I also remember what it was like when I went to go to the grocery store, came out to the parking lot, there was no car. I remember what that felt like. But had I taken a moment, reevaluated my income, reevaluated my situation, there could have been a decent and an order way for me to deal with that debt and handle that debt more appropriately. Come to think of it, that's not how it happened. It wasn't at a parking lot, it was at my my duplex. So I literally had forgotten to put it in um put it in the garage. And when I came out to go to work, that's what happened. When I came out to go to work, it was no longer there. So I stand corrected. Y'all, if you don't know, I am a two-time brain surgery survivor. And currently I am living with a tumor in my brain. So sometimes my memories get a little joggled. It's okay. I know how to correct myself and keep it moving. But I know what that feels like. I remember it like it's firsthand. And it wasn't pleasant. That much I can tell you. Thinking, I'll find a way, I'll make a way, and I'll be able to pay them off before. But see, this is what happens: the more that you owe a debt, and you that debt keeps building and keeps building and keeps building, you look up and it becomes an insurmountable amount. That's why it pays just first of all, count up the cost. I know we hear that a lot, but the truth of the matter is it does pay. One of the things I was discussing. Uh, with my sweetheart not too long ago was that once my vehicle is paid off, this will be the second vehicle that I paid off in full. But I told him once I pay this vehicle off, I'm literally not going to purchase another brand new car. And one of the reasons being is because when you start to calculate what you're spending on car insurance and your car note and car repairs and maintenance and (sighs) I probably would have been debt-free a long time ago had I really just taken a moment to count up the costs concerning all things, not just my vehicle. And that's one of the things that I try to share with my children even now. Um, We went to go visit my middle son not too long ago, my 22-year-old. And it made me so proud. I looked up and he had a whiteboard. And on the whiteboard, it had every single bill And it had, when that bill was due, he had been taking notes. He had been paying attention. And he knew that before he could get out on his own, he had to have a master plan. And so to go to his apartment and to see that his master plan is right, when he leaves his home, you see it. And when he comes back home, you see it. It's ever before him. What bills are due, when his payday is, all of that, so that he's managing his money wisely. And so that if anything does happen unexpectedly, that he's prepared for that. That's wisdom. Not sure if you're aware, but on this podcast here, we are raw, which stands for real and wise. Not saying that every decision I've ever made has been a wise one. Trust and believe that. However, I'm hoping that even with those unwise choices that I have made, there's someone listening that could literally learn a lesson or two and doesn't have to go through the same ordeal that I have. Hopefully you're gleaning from my mistakes (laughs) and gaining some wisdom somewhere, somehow. Even if you're not, it's entertainment, right? So this is going to conclude my episode on today. I just wanted to take a moment to say, how are you handling your debt? And if you don't have a plan, sit down and create one. It's actually a lot easier than we think. Part of the process, though, is humbling ourselves. And that's something a lot of us tend to struggle with. But once we acknowledge this is my debt, I created it, there's a level of accountability, then we can sit down and really be open-minded to whatever resolution there is to solve that problem. But first, we gotta humble ourselves, acknowledge I messed up in this area. I shouldn't have been spending this much money. I don't know what I was going through, but look, now I've created this mountain of debt and I gotta figure out a way to bring it down. And then you just tackle it one one debt at a time but you got to be true to yourself and you got to be honest with yourself and a lot of times for whatever reason that seems to be hard to do but take a moment acknowledge where you aired where you have aired and then write your vision down and make it plain look up you may look up in 30 days from now 90 days from now one debt that you felt that you could never, ever tackle could literally be paid in full. Put a strategy to it and then see what happens. See what happens from there. But this is going to conclude my episode on today. I hope that y'all have the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. But please, please, please do me a huge favor and take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye. And thank you so much for listening.